You are now listening to Hope They Hear Us Podcast. Remember, note takers are money makers. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Hope They Hear Us Podcast. I'm with my brother, Quan. What's up, Quan? How you feeling? Feeling good, man. I'm enjoying this. It's Aggie, Aggie G-Ho weekend, virtually. I took on a great yesterday, man. Enjoyed myself. Yeah. Yeah, man. Stay at home. Stay at home. Homecoming, man. It's 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 different. A different experience, man. Um, Dad's cannot be with with us today, man. He has some school obligations that he had to to complete. So he's graduating soon. So bear with us. You know, we holding it down for him right now. But Quan, I got me. something for you today, my brother. I got a native. From Lawrenceville, Virginia. That's your state, man. Two up, two down, man. Big. Virginia. We got some, stand up. We got we got somebody that's also an NCAT graduate, man. Has a bachelor's in political science. He is actually working in DC at the moment. He has done he spoke at the 2020 March on Washington. This brother has been somebody that was actually my RA in college, right? He was actually the person that, you know, that always had a leadership position since I've been on campus, since just every time I just seen him around, he was an attorney general at a and and everything, man, just always in a leadership position, man. I would like to welcome Talik McMillan. What's up, man? How you feeling, brother? What's up? What's up? Uh, happy, happy homecoming, still in the spirit of homecoming. Yes, well, sir. We still in it. <laughs> You definitely are still in it, man. But we are great. We are. I'm so glad you're able to to join us on this episode, man. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. excited. I said I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, we just want to just jump into this faith corner, man. Uh, One of the things that I've actually been. experiencing this year so far is just one one scripture that I that's been resonating with me over and over again is uh second Timothy chapter one verse seven and it just states um God did not give us a spirit of fear but he gave us love power and a sound mind right and I think that this is perfect a perfect segue to what we're actually going to be talking about this episode is more morally to touch, to explain to our listeners mostly about like the politic realm and just the importance of voting, right? So Talik, we know that you work in Washington, D.C., so you actually are, you know, basically right in everything that's going on, right? Very knowledgeable about it. So, man, we really just wanted to, you to, you know, introduce yourself and tell us how did you get the passion to start doing politics or jumping into it? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, as you said, I I work here in D.C. I serve as uh, the National Director of Youth and College for National Action Network. Uh, It's a civil rights organization founded and led uh, by my boss, Reverend Al Sharpton. Um, And it's really my job to help move the organization from demonstration to legislation because we understand, you know, demonstrating and protesting is the first part of it all. Um, But if we're just out just protesting and not getting things done legislatively, then it, it's almost like we're just exercising for our own good and we're not in the business of exercising, but we're in the business of uh, seeing structural change actually, actually happen in this country. 
Um, and it takes work. We must do that legislatively. We must do that by voting folks in office. Um, but I got started uh, in, in, you know, civil rights and in politics at a very young age. I grew up with my, you know, my, my mother and I was all, all, always sat around my great grandmother, uh, just sat with her. I just love sitting with my great grandmother. And she used to watch CNN and like MSNBC as we watch reality TV. And so for mm-hmm. me, I'm just always watching it. I'm like, wow, like this is interesting. Like these these folks like run run the country. Um, and then, you know, as I moved to Virginia, uh, when when I um, was in high school, back, back where I was from, my grandmother was in charge of the local Democratic Party. Grandfather in, w- was with the NAACP in the local community. And while my friends were going out to you know party and stuff like that, I was tagging along with my grandmother's to, uh, my grandmother to the the school board meeting and so it, it, it just always felt I was always in a different realm I had folks around me who who pushed me uh, in these spaces so I definitely owe it to them and I got involved with Reverend Sharpton when I was 13 13 years old and now growing under his leadership and his mentorship has been an experience like no other I'm grateful to have a mentor um, such as him who puts me in spaces um, so my so my leadership can grow and expand um, but I'm just really grateful to to do the work, um, because uh, few are few are called, many are called, but few are chosen, and I and I and I'm mm-hmm. I'm blessed to be be chosen to do this work. I believe uh, the work of God, so I, I'm grateful to do it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I do want to ask you a quick question. We're gonna kind of dive 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 deep into it. We're gonna dive deep early, right? Um, so I read in your bio, right, it said that the, the work that you do now is, is one of the leading civil rights organizations, right, and keeping the tra- tra- in traditions of MLK, Martin Luther King, right? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about the civil rights movement that we are now in a 21st century type of movement, right, we're seeing a different shift instead of, um, I feel like we're seeing a mixture of shift, like we're seeing uh, the MLK approach, where we're actually seeing a kind of different approach as well. Sometimes we are seeing a uh, Malcolm X approach. Um, one of the things that I remember uh, just look, looking at, do you believe that we have many, many leaders, civil rights leaders now, right? What would you say the difference is now than back then? I think, I think as you said, I, I work for an organization that's a, uh, still works in the vein of Dr. King. And so I mean, I, I feel when we look at the 60s, the 60s movement and the, and the civil rights movement of the 60s, I, I don't think, you know, it was any different from any movement before. But as time goes goes along, things adjust. And we see now for the movement of, of black lives uh, that 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 framework that the 60 the 60 civil rights movement had is still used today. Um, we look at the demonstration from legislation piece like folks demonstrate, but also folks sit down with legislatures. Yes, folks are in the streets, but, but folks are also in the suites. And so, I mean, we still see mm-hmm. that same that same vein of framework. But I definitely believe as we look at right now in this moment for the movement of black lives, uh, there's a new generation of activists and av- advocates in these spaces. And so it makes it different. And I, and, I, and I don't think it is one particular way that gets the job done, but it's everybody's different way in form of going about getting the common goal of justice. I mean, people may have different approaches to how we get justice um but the fact that people are doing their own work and doing things that that they know how to do best um as long as long as we're all doing it for the same common goal it really doesn't matter how you go about doing it but i still i I definitely do believe that the vein that dr king 
and so many other civil rights leaders laid out in the 60s, it's definitely still a framework and model that we that we still lean to today. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, um, okay, so when we talk about um, the movement in the 60s, right, after Dr. King was assassinated, right, uh, do you believe that now it's, di- I feel like it's different now, but do you think that when we talk about cutting the head off of the snake, right, the body stops moving? Do you think, do you believe in that statement? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 the struggle, the struggle never, the struggle never stops. I mean, you can, you can accomplish one thing uh, out, out of that move. We got the, you know, the Civil Rights Act, we got the Voting Rights Act. Um, we got, you know, landmark pieces of legislation. And so, I mean, we couldn't expect just for that just to end systemic racism in this country. I mean, you get one major p- portion done. Um, and so, I mean, th- there's still so much work to be done. As we see now, the body of the snake is still moving. We, we may have got got in the head, but we still got the body. And so, I mean, that's that struggle that we're, you know, we're, we're fighting for. We're trying to kill the whole snake. Um, and so mm-hmm. we made progress, but we, but I believe that, you know, I don't believe everything was gotten, gotten right from the, from the beginning. Even, even Dr. King said in his book, you know, he, we, we, we look y'all, we may have not gotten it right. And so now we are, we are trying to figure out, you know, where we are and where and where we need to be and so th- that that's just the fight fight fighting for the mm-hmm. in-between stuff that we may have missed okay so like okay. with that being said like what does equality look like in this society nowadays? i mean equality i mean we, we i think in this country and we i think about just the basic fundamental right of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness i mean i feel like that should be something that is given to all people and not some people. As we see, we li- we live in a justice system that gets justice for some and not justice for all. It should be a fact where uh, our, our our black children and brown children should have the same opportunity and have the same access uh, to these uh, to attain wealth and to grow in status in this country. Um, but there's there there has been a system in place that just has not allowed black and brown mo- mobility. And so, for me. I see opportunity in education, opportunity in access in healthcare, opportunity in access. We live in a digital age, broadband or internet accessibility, uh, uh, opportunity for, um, we're looking at jobs and communities. Uh, we, we're talking about uh, the investment in like mental health services, understanding that mental health is, uh, is an issue. Um, and, uh, and, and so, I mean, just the, just the, the investment in all these different things um, and just the opportunity where where folks uh, have that same access that is given to given to the white man. So, like this is a this is why we have, like questioning like with politics, right? Why is it so hard for both parties to agree on these these common things that people think they ain't worried that equality? Well, I mean, I, well, I mean, I, we think about with this country and and and, and the form of white supremacy that this country was built on mm-hmm. supremacy um, and the folks feeling like they're racist more superior than black and brown people. I mean, we even see, we all believe, I think when we look at politics and we look at government, healthcare should not be a privilege. It should, it should be a right. Like mm-hmm. education should not be a yeah. privilege. It should That's be a right. Housing should yeah. be a privilege. It should be a right. Like these things should not be privileges, but yet we have people in office at the table 
saying that these op- that these things should be should be privileges in the United States of America. Mm. I mean, it should not be. I, and, and a lot of times they like to throw their faith in there to uh, to, to and throw scripture in there, uh, and they and they only do it to suppress folks. But for me, when I think about my religion and I think about my spirituality, holiness um, is, is nothing holy about keeping food off someone's table. It's nothing holy about giving some well, uh, keeping health care away from somebody just because of who they love or what they choose. Like, there's nothing holy about that. And so I think when folks gets back to that fundamental right of, of, of humanity and like this is what people deserve. Um, and we have folks in office who understand humanity um, over supremacy and white supremacy. Um, then we then we will begin to see a whole different form of of leadership and direction in this country. Yeah, I think that sometimes it's just now nowadays. I think that we're seeing more. So I don't know why this election seems like it's just it's tearing us more apart than it is bringing us together. And I feel like we got to figure out what kind of common ground, like we need to figure out what type of common ground we can create so we can both just, I guess, we, if we want to be- say it the best way, I guess, coexist. In the yeah, but I, but I definitely think that you have a, a, a candidate on the other side who was fa- like fanning the flame to hate and racism and bigotry um, and waking up a, why well, waking up, but revealing a bunch of people who, who have felt like this since the beginning. I mean, we look at folks mm-hmm. who are just blatantly racist. We see a lot of Karens and Kevins before they were, b- before <laughs> they were hiding, they were hiding in, you know, their, their own silos. But now we have a, a leader at the highest mm-hmm. office in the world, in the white house, who's fanning the flames of racism, homophobia and xenophobia. Um, and, and folks are just, you know, thinking it's okay. And, 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 and finding it common because the, the president of the United States is doing it. Mm. So, that's you're, right, you're right. So it is. So we, we really are like a divided states of America at the moment. You know what I'm saying? We, we got to figure. I think when we talk about like the, this part of the election and how important. And I think I saw a video of uh, somebody saying it's going to be some type of civil war if I guess either president gets elected. I saw a video on social media with that. And I I don't really even know what to say about that part. You know, it's just like at the end of the day, we need somebody in office that are going to actually uplift the black community and bring us to, you know, knowing knowing exactly where we need to go and continuing to fight, you know, the this white supremacists and you know, and just trying to come together, really. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, if if uh, you know, Trump loses, I mean, you know, the election is on Tuesday and we may not get results until weeks after because of COVID or days after because of COVID. Um, there's going to be a, a sector of, and a group of people who have become so comfortable in the three and a half going on four years that he's been in office being a blatant racist um, that it's going to be different for them mm-hmm. and, they're, and they're not going to know how to handle having a president in office with with compassion and uh, empathy and having ownership and being truthful. And so, I mean, they're not going to be used to that. And so folks are going to have to adjust. Um, but at, at the end of the day, it's still going to be organized and strategizers and, um, and folks still in the streets regardless. So they're, folks are going to do their own thing. 
And uh, I do think it's going to be a sector of people that's going to be upset if if we are moved to a new norm. Mm. Okay, okay, okay. That's tough to like. So let's take. Since we since yeah, you're on that yeah. social media wave and we, we talking about what the streets are talking about. <laughs> so what I say something about like people saying that they're hoping for a future with no president leading the United States. What's your what's the likelihood and what would that look like? You said no, no you. having no president. Yeah. yeah. No, no president governing. I don't. I don't even know. I don't know. That 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 would like just tear up the whole fundamental thing of what this country was built on, and I I I can't see it. I don't know, um, and I I don't know what that would even look like. Come on, that sounds like a whole bunch of chaos, man. I don't know like right <laughs> there, man. It does sound like a bunch of chaos. I don't know how it's gonna work. I did see a post like that before, though. It did say something like America. Uh, needs to uh to be by herself be for a long for a minute. <laughs> she need to be single. <laughs> she need to heal. <laughs> I mean, but man, um, I will say that you know, as this election comes, like for our listeners, man, it's so important for everyone to go and vote, man. And I've actually been seeing some record-breaking numbers, especially in my state, Georgia, man. It actually they have registered almost over a million people for early voting right i just that just makes me proud man because if georgia turns blue for the first time <laughs> i would be like what come on man it's history man and, and i mean Damn, it's all over the country too so i mean and then the fact that early voting numbers have already surpassed um 2016 election day numbers in some states and so, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's historical. And the fact that young people, even in a red state like Texas, are turning out the vote like never before. Texas has an, has an opportunity to turn blue. Like, that's crazy. Mm. Um, and, so- and that's, that's yeah, that's crazy. If Texas turns blue, yeah. Yeah. All right, so I got another question. So with, like, all these celebrities coming out and basically, um, how can I say this? Advertising for one president. One? I mean that too. Do you feel like that's like draw more confusion in this election because of like people like Kanye West, him putting his name on a ballot, or having him do write in write in for his name to be on that ballot? Do you feel like that's kind of taken away from the election as well? Or you just in this part of the, yeah, part of the politics in this. It's definitely a form of. I think it's a form of voter suppression. I think it's a way of voter suppression. Um, it's a tactic used to uh, to dilute the black vote in communities. Um, in our community, um, I, I think when we look at celebrities, I think it could be like a double-edged sword. They have an opportunity to influence for good, but also influence for bad. Um, and for me, I mean, being a person that's so engaged in politics, I, I'm, I'm not going to go look for a Kanye or a Ice Cube or uh, or a Snoop Dogg to, or, you know, like a, a artist mm-hmm. to tell me. Yeah to tell me about criminal justice reform. You know, I'm not going to look at no actor or actress to, 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 to tell me about, you know, I don't know, housing or, you know, criminal justice. Um, and so mm-hmm. it, it, they can use their ability to influence for good, but also influence for bad. I do think they have, they have an obligation to highlight uh, the struggles and highlight the injustices that we see because of their platform. But but it, it but it, it it can become a little persuasive on the wrong end sometimes, and 
do I think that folks should be listening to X, Y, and Z? I'll encourage folks to do to do their own their own research and to do to 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 not let someone make a make a thought for you, but to be a part of that and, and, and make that thought yourself. And so, I mean, I do think it's, a, it's like a double edged double edged sword. Uh, but it's it's just crazy, crazy seeing you know Kanye in these you know campaign videos. People actually write his name in. Yeah. Um, it's just crazy to me, but. What what can we do about it? But people to yeah. So if you have a for just for our listeners who actually don't know what to look for in a candidate, right? Whether it be uh, you know for the presidential or just for their you know their uh, regional um, regional elections, right? What are something? key things that they should look for when they're doing research. On yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely would encourage you to look up their history, look at the fact of uh, where they, where they have been and probably what prior roles they served in, what decisions they made. Then um, look at their community involvement, how involved they are within the community. If it's the fact that somebody's just running and you never seen them before, they're never in the community. Why would I expect them to represent the community that they were never in? And so, um, I think I would just look up like those things. Um, of course, I I think they should be uh, someone who's relatable, someone who is trustworthy, who is honest, um, and who ha- has shown like a has shown a, like a, tr- a track record of of being of service. Um, I think mm. just looking at those those basic qualities and and candidates and then folks you know vowing to run for office. Is, is, is the first step and then i think then checking out their you know their platforms what their what are their agenda what is their agenda going going in does, does it align with you know what you believe and i think when we vote we don't just vote for ourselves but we vote for community and so um if you're not voting for the least of these uh that's all, always what i think we don't just vote for ourselves we, we vote for the least of these I, i'm i'm voting for that single mother who can't who can't afford to put a meal on her table right now because of covid i'm i'm voting for those 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 millions of grandchildren who are just like me, who are you know I lost my mother lost my, lost my grandmother to to COVID and so who are those grandchildren who are out there that are wishing that they they, they could be around their grandparents so they can't kill them from contracting COVID and so I mean we we vote for community we just don't vote for ourselves um, and just understanding that uh, when, when looking at their looking at their their platforms and their 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 layout for what they want to do. Okay, okay, okay. My condolences, man. I definitely know COVID is definitely taking a toll on a lot of people's uh, family. And um, I appreciate that. My condolences, man. Like, dear COVID, you overstayed your welcome. Facts. <laughs> For real. So, I right, so talk about it. <laughs> so, do you think? Do you? I can't even ask this because it's like it's one of those questions nobody really know the truth. I was gonna ask, do you think that this administration maintained not maintained, but um, did they lead the, the American people well during this time? No. I say no. Just plain and simple. Uh the administration knew about COVID um in, in February and you know, into January. 
and knew it was coming mm-hmm. and did not say anything because the because the occupant in office said he didn't want to uh to like for folks to to stress out you know what i'm saying and i and i think yeah. if we were prepared and and took necessary precautions in the beginning um we would not have have hundreds of thousands of american lives lost to covid um we wouldn't have thousands and millions of americans filing for unemployment who have never filed for it before and so i mean i think there could have been a better uh approach to it and even now when we see that folks are dying from it to belittle um the effect of that it's having on families and it's having on lives that folks are really dying like it can be very simple that folks just wear masks and the fact that wearing a mask is so politicized right now when it's about oh man our our pure existence to even live in the in the world um and we can't come to a com- common ground and make mask a a political statement when when in reality this is just about our health and about living and protecting other folks and so i mean no i i, I don't believe so that that this administration has handled this pandemic correctly That's crazy. Say they they really politicize, you know, saying wearing masks. That's the crazy part. <laughs> Just safety precautions. Well, wearing your mask correctly. Correctly. Yeah. A lot of people don't want to do that, you know. And it's it's uh, that's a crazy thing, man. And uh, been it's just yeah, they've been doing some other stuff about the mask situation. And I just I just really think that. You know, COVID has really opened our eyes. Um, in a way, it slowed us down. It slowed us down. Uh, made you spend more time with your family if you could. Um, actually, plan some other things out because I feel like it's a shift going on, not just uh, politically, uh, just you know, economically in different aspects. I think like we're gonna see a lot of young people come out of this pandemic as millionaires, just finding their own niche. Right. So that's what I feel like this pandemic is going to bring Yeah. Um, on the positive note, you know, on the negative, on a negative note, I, I just wish and I wish for the best that nothing else really dramatically happens as we, they say we enter the second wave. Just praying, man, honestly. Yeah, I, I definitely can say like COVID has definitely gave an opportunity to, to reconnect with friends and family and it helped, it helped folks to start new businesses um, and so there, there definitely, there, there was a positive side to the, to the, to the world shutting down. Um, but it was, like you said, to the negative side of yeah. it, 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 it was definitely a big loss to have so many people, you know, pass away from, from COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, I want to jump to that, that, that 2020 man and March on Washington, man. I definitely see the, uh, Saw the, the video clip of you talking, man, and I, I definitely enjoyed uh, what you said. Um, one of the pinpoints that I really took away was uh, when you talked about um, not only having the funding of HBCUs, uh, but, you know, actually, you know, making sure that we are economically, you know, equal, right? Um, what was the experience, you know, speaking at the March on Washington when there was tens of thousands uh, it was, it of was people? It was so, there? so powerful. Um like to stand on that stand to stand on the stage one and to when you can look and not see the end was crazy 
um, just the power in the microphones echoing all the way to the through the back of the Washington Monument. Uh, it was crazy, but it was powerful. Um, and to be a part of that moment, to help organize and plan that moment was really an honor of a lifetime. Um, and I'm so, so grateful. So, so grateful. I literally wrote my, 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 my speech the night before and like was at three o'clock that morning. And it was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to say? Am I going to mess up? And I got up there and I believe yeah. the, the spirit of God was over me and kept my nerves. Um, and, 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 and it got, it got done. It got done. And so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely honored to have been in that space and have organized such a, a, a moment in history. You're a star, man. Watch from Washington. You highlighted in a documentary, the homecoming special joint. So, hey, man, you're doing special <laughs> things. But I just want to ask, like, when did you realize, how did you realize you had a voice that, you know, that you could handle or maintain speaking in those situations? I, I, I'm, I'm a very spiritual guy. And so I think um, I all, I'm a very spiritual guy. As a, When I was a little kid, I used to call myself... I'm the chosen one, the chosen one, the chosen one. And I, I, I never knew what I was even saying. Like, and I think speaking over, yeah. speaking over my <laughs> life and having folks in my corner who, uh, who pushed me into greater. Um, but I do believe it's a mantle, a mantle on my shoulders um, that I'm doing the work that, that God put me on. And just trying to walk in that purpose and, and trying to stay steadfast in the work um, and to, to stay low so God can can, can, can continue to uh, raise me up for even greater challenges. And so I'm just, for me, it, it just feels like I'm just, I'm walking, trying to walk in my purpose. And, uh, and I just try to take it day by day. I try not to get, you know, so involved. Like I've, I've been in, you know, BT and, and Washington post and like all these big outlets and a, a lot of folks like, yeah, it's like you do this, 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 and that, and you speak on Facebook and on Queen Latifah, all this other crap. Like, how does it feel? And for me, I think I've become so like focused on the mission and so focused on uh, the just the mantle I feel is on my life. Like the other stuff, it doesn't even phase me. Like it doesn't phase me. Um, but I'm I'm just grateful, grateful and honored to really do this work. That's real. So, like, how do you balance? So, how do you just get away from, like, I know politics sometimes can be a lot. So, how do you just, how do you find your way back to, all right, let me get grounded again? Yeah, I think for me, uh, I I, I always, I'm I'm a member of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, Ada Chapter Cross. Um, But I think it was, you know, staying grounded um, in the lessons in the, in that my, my fraternity really taught me. And that, and that is, you know, I can do all of this great work, um, but I am forever on pins and needles. I can forever be outdone. I can forever be outworked. I can be outsmarted at any moment. And so I, I always have to continue to push myself, even when I don't want to push myself, um, because I can be replaced. I can be, um, you know, and so I, I'm just always on a thousand. I'm always on 100 percent every single day. Um, and so I, it, it's just, you know, that, that reminder that complacency is the enemy of accomplishment. Complacency is the enemy of accomplishment. And so mm. I can never become mm. complacent in what I'm doing um, because there's always more work to be done. Yes, I can be good, but I can be great. Ooh, I love it. That's what we, yeah, that's, that's, 
Yeah. That's what you can say that again. <laughs> you can say that one again. Oh man. But man, yeah, just staying humble, like um staying humble to it, man. Cause you really been doing this for a minute. Like it's like the preparation of you doing it from at Ante, from you know, just uh the with you, uh, Attorney General, you know what I'm saying, and just being able to be that voice, you know, for just our campus in general at first, to now transitioning it to where you are now, this is Definitely. all preparation, man. So what do you think, as this, <clears throat> so as this election goes, right, you can go either way. We don't know, we won't know until the results are in, right? So as you, you know, working diligently in uh, Washington, D.C., what are some changes you would like to see in the next four yes, to eight years? Um, I would like to see where um, black and brown children don't have fear walking out of the doors, fear um, when a police light comes on behind them. Um, I would like to see a... a a government that not only I, I love my HBCU, not only funds historically black college and university, but invests in communities, in black and brown, um, at H, black and brown communities that our our HBCUs are residing in. You know, a lot of times, you know, I, I, I said about the fact of investing in H, HBCUs, but understanding that's just it's just not the educational and investing in the institution, but it's also taking that investment into the communities in which our institutions live in, and so. That as well, I would like to see the fact mm -hmm. that we live in a very digital time. I think COVID has definitely exposed a lot of disparities in, in communities. Um, in particular, we look at healthcare. We look at how black and brown people have died of COVID more often. They have high rates of blood pressure and so many other things. So a focus on a healthcare and making sure healthcare is accessible and affordable to families. Uh, we look at internet and broadband. Like we live in a digital time and there's still some black communities who don't even have access to internet and don't have access to a computer. Um, so stuff like that. I mean, it, it, my list goes on and on and on because I, I'm engaged in so many political um, areas. Like I'm also a policy advisor in our D, here in our DC Bureau. And so uh, I touch issues such as tech policy and criminal justice. So I, my, my range is all over the place. And so if I had to see one main thing, it'll definitely be criminal justice and how we see public safety and um, policing in our communities. I would definitely like to see uh, how we address that and have a more community approach to policing. Mm. Okay, okay. So for me, uh, I take um, police brutality. I know as this pandemic began, we all witnessed the, the death of George Floyd, right? And that that case right there put me in a place of discouragement. Um, you know, really just making me feel like, I don't know if you remember the incident of Michael Brown back when in 2014, it had me feeling like like that once again. And it was just more so right. of like, dang, another one. Like, why do we, why do we have to continue to say another one, you know? And it's just, that is just one of the things that has just been like, and then we still seeing it. We're seeing it more. We saw it with Breonna Taylor. We saw it with uh, Philip Castile. We saw it with all of these different, different, you know, ladies and gentlemen 
that have been murdered by police. Like, so when we talk about police brutality, do you believe that community policing is actually yeah i, I definitely do believe parties. that a, com- a community approach to policing is definitely uh where we need to be I, I don't think when we look at issues of mental health the does an officer with a badge and a gun have to report to somebody who is having a mental breakdown no a a you know a psychiatrist or a a, a counselor should be should go to those cases and I think it's you know a case to case basis, a case to case basis, but I do believe when we put community into it, when we have um, professionals that are trained in those areas, uh, we will have much better outcomes. Uh, and then I also I also believe when we look at you know just the use of for the use of force scale uh, and and how use of force is 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 given, um, I I do believe there will be a lot of lives uh, that could have been saved and officers that that would have been held accountable uh yeah but i do believe that a, a definitely a community a community uh, approach to policing will be beneficial on both sides okay 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 and i like that part too but what do you think about when you talk about community policing now this is just a scenario like you lock somebody uncle up, right? But that that police kind of live. He's very familiar with that 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 area. He lives in the same community, but he wants. You know to I mean, that, that. that's just an officer who, who shouldn't be an officer because he has already he already has a bias and already has, you know, revenge out for folks, folks like that. No, um, but I do. But- no, I'm talking about the citizen. Like the citizen is like you lock my uncle up. I'm coming back. To, you know what I mean? I'm, the cousin's like, I'm coming back to get the office. I'm like, I know where he stayed. Da, 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 da. What do you think about that? I mean, yeah, that's. A, I feel like that, 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 that's, that could be a little. I don't know. I never. I never really. I never really thought about that. I never really thought about that. The only only. Because I'm 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 for community policing, right? But I feel like that would be the only. But I don't thing think. But I don't think community policing is just the fact you, of the officer um, having to live in the community and folks having to know where that officer live. But I, I think when we think of community policing, I mean, I could be, I could live in, say, for example, I say a city, I could live in Petersburg, Virginia, and I'm an officer in Richmond, Virginia. I don't have to live in mm-hmm. Richmond to, to be an officer of community. I think a part of creating community is from that officer, you know, getting to know folks in the community. So whether that's, knowing who lives on what street or knowing when I get a call, Oh, I know who this is. Uh, uh, knowing they have a mental health uh, issue or, you know, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That's the part of community policing that I'm talking about. I'm not saying that the officers have to live in the community, but, but just build community. Folks should know who you are. Um, and you should be familiar with folks who actually live, live in that area. Yeah. I do believe that we, with like police, more like if they invited or had like a policing community day, right? And just invite people from the community of the community to just come and meet, have like a meet and greet, right? That would probably be more beneficial than just making it or portraying it like, you know, we're just here. Because, you know, we were taught, I know I was taught, I'm from um, New Orleans, Louisiana, grew up in Atlanta. I was taught like, you know, as a young kid, like if you see a police 
you don't need to be over there or you need to take off running or you need to, you know what I'm saying? It's just a different type of way that I was taught, right? So it's just portraying them. We already expect, we see the police, oh, that's a bad guy. You know what I'm saying? Or, right. That's a person we don't need to be around. You know what I mean? It's just different. Then I, then I think it's that's like, how I was uh, That's how I was It's raised. also based, like you said, how, how you're raised. But then there's also, I think there was a set of folks who, a set of kids who used to want to be police officers and want to be firefighters, like want to be this, but now it's it's a really a, a form of fear. Because for me, I remember mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, I say all the time, "Oh, I want to be a police officer. I want to be a police officer." You know what I'm saying? Um, but now, like growing growing up, you're like, "Nah, I want to do that now," mm-hmm. because because they're seeing that they're seeing and they're been portrayed as being the bad guy. Okay. Yeah, I would say that it's going to take a, for that to happen for people to want to be a police officer. I believe that it's going to be going to take somebody that says, I just want to be the change. I want to be that person to be able to co- police correctly instead of, you know, being the same. As but well by policing correctly, as the, everyone the, the policing uh, model and how we police has to be corrected first before we can have officers who are policing correctly. We have to have a correct model of what mm. policing looks like. Because the one that we got now is not working. <laughs> hey, that's deep. That's deep. I don't even know the policing model, but hey, no, you know, it's it's, protect and serve, that's what you mean? Just, just the approach and what, and what know. it's like. And so when we're talking about, I talked about even the dis- dispatching thing and having Okay, professional, other professionals, whether it's extending training, the fact that United States police officers are trained in a 20, was it 20 some weeks, but yet in other countries, it takes them a whole two years to get trained. Right? Okay. Exactly. You, you can get, you can get your, you can get a, right, you can go to barber school, take longer for barber school and take longer for a bachelor's than it takes for you to get a badge and a gun. And free willy with your gun and kill folks. Mm. We live in a crazy time, crazy time. And then, but with Talik, um, man, and, and with his organization working with Al Sharp, we have hope for future. Um, and like Talik, man, we appreciate your hard work and everything you're doing. Uh, not only for yourself, but for generations that's not even. I appreciate that. I always, I always say all the time, what we do is not, this moment in history is not just for ourselves, but we're, we're fighting for generations yet unborn. And when our children's children are looking to history books, I would like them to say that, you know, their father or their their, their mother or whomever stood on the right side of history. Um, because this, this, this moment is about a moment in history. That's true. Ooh, yeah, that's How can the people meet? How can the people reach you, man? Yeah, you can the follow me on, uh, at Tyleek McMillan on all social media platforms. You can visit my website at TyleekMcMillan.com um, and just get engaged. Follow me if you want to get involved with National Action Network Youth and College Division. I would encourage you to check us out at NationalActionNetwork.net by clicking on the Youth and College Division page. Get involved, get engaged. I believe it's critical if young if people are going to be making decisions about young people I mean, about our, the future of young people. And it's critical that young people are at the table and we want to ensure that we are at the table where those decisions are being made because 
not only are we in the streets, but we're also in the suites making the decisions. And so uh, get involved, get engaged, um, do you. Just uh, just know that it doesn't have to be a certain way. It doesn't take a special title as advocate or activist, but you can just be a regular you know, person who just wants to be engaged. And that's all it takes. Everybody doing their job, organize, strategize, educate, because there's a lot of work that still has to be done. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, I appreciate you, my brother, for coming on the podcast, man. Thanks for you having me. You already know how it is. Yes, sir. We continue to just hope for you, your continued success, man. And we're watching. Hopefully, <laughs> one day we want to see you on that ballot for president. You know, one day, man. You know, let's see it. You definitely want to see that one day, but that's it. Man, hope they hear I just us. want to say, man, I hope they hear us. Because we coming regardless.